0: Welcome to the Brute Facts Podcast with your host and everybody's favorite Christian, Eddie Kroon. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell for future content.
1: Welcome to Brute Facts. We are on location in louisiana i am at a very nice uh, casino i don't know how i pulled that off and i was hoping to have a lot better backdrop and good looking everything but life happens uh had a emergency call at the last minute with work and customers unfortunately want you to fix their things when they pay for it and that's the way it goes uh dr ryan mullins is with us he is uh ex- i'm am- so thankful and grateful for as patient as he's been and uh he's just been hanging out and saying no man you're the coolest guy i ever met so yeah i'm gonna come on but uh <laughs> no dr uh, ryan mullins he has a phd in philosophical theology from the university of saint andrews masters of philosophy bs and humanities i love his work i love the uh what he did with god and time it is a fantastic uh presentation that he does and ultimately wrote a book on it so i've got his links in the bottom for his page for his books if you haven't seen his work you've got to check it out it is fantastic i'm gonna go ahead and bring on dr mullins how are you doing dr mullins
0: I'm doing all right
1: sweet I got to say the first time that um, I had actually I'd seen you a lot and read a lot of your work. And when I heard you talk, I was like, man, he's got a radio voice. Why? Is he, why is he? <laughs> You know, you looked really young and I was like, that's a man right there. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Were you always a Christian? Did you become a Christian? How does all that work with you?
0: I have the most dramatic uh, testimony uh, of, of like how I converted Christianity that you've probably ever heard, so, so buckle up for this. Oh, wow. Um, so I grew up in a Christian household, and then at the age of nine, I was just thinking, yeah, this Jesus stuff, that makes sense. Dad, can I get baptized? So my dad's like, sure, there we go, let's get baptized. And there we go, end of story. Yeah, most dramatic, wow. most dramatic conversion story
1: you've ever heard in your life that is fantastic Mm -hmm. you know i tried that we went to one of the revival neighborhood revival nights and i was young and they did the altar call and i'm you know a young kid and in tears and i'm starting to head up there and my dad's like sit down i was like (laughs) i want to get saved he looked at me and said sit down and i was like okay i found out later it was uh because i was so young he didn't think i was ready for that. So yeah, fair enough.
0: Yeah. So what got you into wanting to do philosophy of religion? Uh, So originally, so I went to a Christian high school, and we were reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. And that was the first time in my life where I felt like I was actually kind of thinking about the nature of God. Uh, And I found it really fascinating. And there was a chapter on God and time in Mere Christianity that really grabbed my attention. And so I just wanted to know more about that. Um, but then I when I eventually ended up going to university for theology and philosophy, that took a while before I did that, because originally I was going to go into television and radio and then film school, then somehow got addicted to theology and philosophy instead. Um, I was going to do just like biblical studies and history because I just thought I want to do church history but then a lot of the questions that uh, historical figures like Saint Augustine and others were asking, they're deep like philosophical questions. And so I was like, I have to do the philosophy in order to really understand the answers that Augustine's giving, and then also the answers that I want to figure out myself. So I just kind of got addicted from there, it was just by sitting down and just reading a bunch of historical figures, and then going, I have to know more. Uh, am I really satisfied with the answers they're giving? I don't know. I need to think about it more. I just almost died. <clears throat> well, you
1: know. I, I was drinking some water and, uh, I think I breathed it in and still actually swallowed. This is just not, man, not, really
0: not your day. It's just not your day.
1: It's not my, day, it's not my week. Oh, I'm not man. using, I'm not used to having to work for my money. And this week they are making me work for my money. That is for mm. sure. <laughs> so I heard you tell that story before about, um, being interested in high school mm-hmm. and I forgot who you were talking to about it it was a youtube video and uh oh the is it analytic analytical Oh, it might christian. be the analytic
0: christian mm-hmm. jordan
1: <clears throat> yeah and he said that's not what i was thinking about in high school and that's exactly <laughs> what i thought i was like that's not what i was thinking about in high school but uh c.s lewis great choice mm-hmm. so tell me a little bit more about how <clears throat> in this venture you stumbled across this God in time concept uh, that, like you had stated, was not one that's really been tackled a whole lot.
0: No, it wasn't. And I when I was when I was originally in university, like I said, I was I was originally studying um uh like films, I was gonna go to film school, so I was studying like communications. Uh, but I was working at a bookstore and I just really wanted to know more about all, all the time stuff. So I bought a copy of Stephen Hawking's, a brief history of time. And then I found William Lane Craig's time and eternity. I didn't know who William Lane Craig was at, the, at that point. I had, I mean, I didn't know any of this sort of stuff. I wasn't really introduced to apologetics yet. So, but I was just like, okay, well, so here's some time stuff. There we go. Uh, and, and so I, so I was just reading through those things. I just became really fascinated, but didn't understand any of it. I had no idea what I was, what I was getting into. Uh, and then eventually when I switched to a, a university where I was doing a lot of theology and philosophy, I wanted to do an undergraduate dissertation. And originally I was going to do it on God and time. And I started reading some more philosophy time literature. And I was like, I do not understand any of this. I can't do this. So I had to pick a different topic. Uh, and just and then when I got to my master's, I was really dedicated to, I really want to try to tackle this during my master's degree. Uh, yeah. That, and, yeah.
1: That's pretty interesting. It was. Not to have heard of William Lane Craig. That yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And then I eventually get to like uh, this other university in Atlanta. It was a Christian university where I where I finished, and I was reading tons of William Lane Craig, uh, like in, yeah. in my philosophy classes. And I was like, oh, oh, I just got lucky and just happened to have, like found like one of his books and, and just went from there. He's so popular
1: now that uh, you hear a lot of things said about him, mm-hmm. you know, not good. And the man really is brilliant. Oh I yeah, mean, he's his when not too many people in the apologetic circles or online and things really get into his academic work, but his academic
0: work is phenomenal, especially his philosophy of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was one of the things that really impressed me because I, I've been in several settings where I'll be around a bunch of professional philosophers and they'll just try to dismiss him as like, Oh, he's just an apologist. You know, he's just doing this or that. And I'm like, have you read his work on the philosophy of time? I mean, that is at the at that point in, in history, like it was really cutting edge stuff. And people were quoting those things and had no idea that he even did philosophy of religion. Uh, yeah. They were just like they were just going, like, oh, this his ten, his book on the tenseless theory and the tense theory, these are great. They didn't even know he did any God stuff. because uh, yeah. so you know, that's how good it was. It was just good on its own merit. Yeah, he's uh in and his academic stuff, if you're
1: not used to academic stuff, all these people who think that he's just an apologist it's a hard read it's Mm -hmm. for me you know it takes a of course I'm pretty ADHD so sometimes I have to read things over and over again but yeah it's uh definitely an area that I'm interested in myself for sure I haven't spent too much time there but I see that um you have another book in the works also
0: Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that one I've actually got two books I'm working on. Um, so one is uh, called The Divine Time Maker, and so it's the big project. Uh, and then the next one after that is called Eternal in Love. It's a little book about a big God. So it's going to be kind of a, a concise, more popular level statement of everything I've been working on over the years of just where I, or at least where I'm at at the moment of what I think about the nature of God. So the Time Maker project, though, that's the really big one. Uh, so say you you want to reject divine timelessness, like I do what are you left with? What are your options? Uh, You want to say God's in time or temporal. What does that mean? What does that look like? I don't know. Most people don't even tell you what time is. Now you're going to tell me what to talk about like divine temporality. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll tell you what time is first. I'll do that. Uh, It's better than anyone else has done. And then uh, I'll look at a bunch of different models of God uh, that, that think God's temporal and try to work out all sorts of different problems that all these views are going to face. So you really understand your options so when by the time you you finish the book you will go if i commit myself to divine temporality here are all my options what do want, what which one do i want to take that's yeah. that's the hope yeah i'm because i was real sympathetic to uh
1: craig's position the you know god entering into time temporally mm-hmm. because it seems to be almost intuitive that there would have to be some kind of temporal relationship, at least, mm-hmm. and like you had stated several times, uh, a couple of places. I mean, when we talk about a timeless God, that's it's just it seems incoherent. It doesn't mm-hmm. uh, doesn't really comport to reality with me, and just seems like a hard concept. So,
0: yeah, and so, and so I'm going to be looking at. I've got a whole section on Craig's view where I'm trying to <clears throat> actually like critique it and go this doesn't really work either. This whole idea of God being timeless without the universe and then temporal with that's just really weird. And it causes some problems. And then the underlying theory of time that he has there, I want to go, that's, that's got some serious problems. Uh, and then, then try to go, well, here are some other options if you don't like that. So it's, it's, it's some of the stuff I'm up to. Yeah.
1: And uh, I, I also noticed you would rit- written, God in emotion. Mm-hmm. That's uh, actually was on my list for the next one. I didn't get, the uh end of a timeless god because it would be end of a finite husband Mm -hmm. you know i tried and tried and i didn't realize it was a textbook pretty much so and it's a textbook price so
0: yeah yeah. uh, that's why i it was really committed to doing this uh the little book about a big god that i mentioned because it's going to be with a publisher that's an academic publisher but they're going to sell it for like 20 bucks and so that way oh, wow. people who cannot afford the end of the timeless God, because it's, it's outrageous. And I don't get, I don't I get like a dollar for every copy that's sold. I think that's it. Um, that's, that's
1: what aggravates me with, and I'm all for intellectual property, but mm-hmm. when we get to a certain level, you know, I understand there's a give and take, you get published, you don't make any money or you make very little money. Uh, and I actually wouldn't mind paying a lot more for, like textbooks and things like that, but I know as long as I've been around that when I pay for academic papers or things like that, I usually would, I would offer the philosopher or the historian, whoever it is, behind scenes like, hey, yeah. you know, I'd rather you get the money and they come here than them get the money. You yeah. Know? So, yeah okay. so speaking on that, what do you think about the uh, file sharing sites that do all the academic... That's something I wanted to ask uh, a lot of academics to see how they really felt about that. What are you, what is your take without getting you in trouble?
0: I, I feel like if anybody is upset, I, I, I don't. Okay, it seems to me that the most academics, most most philosophers I know, and most theologians I know, they use those sites. They get books from those sites because they can't find like they can't find a copy anywhere, especially during the pandemic when all the libraries are closed. You just find a really uh, seedy Russian site that's going to download these books that you need. Okay, well, there you go. Um, yeah, everybody's using it. So I, I don't know if you complain. Then just, I, it's kind of hard to complain too much.
1: Right, and I was just told about the site where you can actually download full books. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no way. Um, let's see if the end of a timeless God is there. And it wasn't. So, <laughs> But I'm not, I'm I'm a... I'm a book person. Even though I have to make myself read, I want the book. I don't like digital copies. I don't. I I spend so much time on a screen. You know, it's. I don't like reading on.
0: Yeah, no, I'm the same. Like I've amassed a huge digital library, which is good because I have. I have to move like every year uh, for for, like trying to keep up with academic jobs. Um, So moving a library across the ocean is really hard. But um, I just much prefer having (laughs) a physical copy yeah i mean i
1: do th- for that very same reason i do a lot of travel for work uh, hence where i'm at now and when i do the travel kindle is very nice and audible is very nice uh, now i do a lot of audible books because i'm an audio visual learner you know and i have i had to get the unlimited or the mm-hmm. paid subscription for youtube so i love that because i spend a lot of time you know in the car and yeah, a lot of things on there. You've been quite a range. You just put you in, you're like a
0: superstar. I, I this was kind of my, my wife pointed this out to me. She was like, "How many have you done?" And we counted up, and I think I did. Um, was it, I think it was over like forty or fifty interviews just this year, this last year. So that's like including like some podcasts that are not on YouTube and stuff. But it was yeah, it was it was like forty or fifty different interviews I had done for like all sorts of shows, and I didn't realize wow. that because at some point. Like I was just kind of bored. And so people would be like, yeah, you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And so yeah. I was just doing like a couple every week at, at, at various points. Well, I'm glad you are uh, bored enough to come on here. That's, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, just it's, it's, we'll get there. It's uh, i I've, it's actually grown pretty, pretty fast. I've been surprised about it and I've had so much positive feedback by the guests being able to talk about other things in their work all the time, you know? And That's what I want to know because I didn't get to grow up in the academic area. I didn't get to, Mm -hmm. I am enrolled and plan on pursuing, but uh, I didn't, where I came from, I didn't have the chance to do it. So I'm like really intrigued by those who are so young and getting in philosophy of religion. I think Mm -hmm. it's fantastic. There is one thing I want to ask you about. I have this discussion a lot with, Lay pe- I, I'm a lay person and I have to chop it up until it gets to a point where I can understand it, you know, on a lay level. And so I tend to be, you know, some people say I'm good at relaying it to lay people. So I've tried to get them to understand just how powerful intuition is in philosophy. And people want to always kind of go back to a feeling. What what would be the best way to explain? Because I saw that you, you know, talking with uh, Stephen Demesh, and um, a couple of other guys on the Analytic uh, Christian about, you know, there's a strong intuition there. So obviously we need a good argument or defeater, you know, for that intuition. Mm-hmm. How would you explain the power of intuition?
0: I, th- I feel like the best way to explain it would just be – to ask people to reflect on their own experience because that's intuitions are where we start with everything. Uh, Like the number of times people say, well, it seems to me, or I feel like, I mean, those are just natural English phrases that we use all the time. And every single instance of that was an intuition. Uh, They're intuitions that have been shaped by your culture, shaped by your past experiences, by your upbringing, uh, by your education, all sorts of factors. But that is where your starting point is. It's always your starting point for your investigations. Uh, is like well, that just doesn't seem right. Um, so I'm going to look a little bit deeper. Or yeah, that seems that yeah, that sounds good, and you're satisfied, so you don't look into it anymore because it does sound right to you. Those are just yeah. So I think just intuitions just they, they just are the starting point for pretty much all of your rational inquiry. Right. And that's that's kind of how I've
1: tried to explain it. That uh, you know, if something seems to be the case, you know, not really the phenomenal conservatism route, but. If something really seems to be the case and it's intuitional, you have a kind of a default you know, position or prima facie on the face of it, it seems this way, then there needs to be something to tell you that that's wrong or there's a better way to look at it. If not, I would go as far as to say you're justified in that intuition without defeaters or arguments, you know, uh, if there's not a defeater or hmm. a better argument.
0: Yeah, that seems right to me. But I also don't do that much epistemology anymore. So yeah, so I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I'll just I'll <laughs> leave, leave that to like Tyler McNabb or one of those people yeah. be like, you tell me oh, what epistemology Tyler. is. And, and then I'll just I'll just copy your homework. That's 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 what I would do with Tyler.
1: Yeah, that's I had him on here. I like Tyler. I've been talking with him for years. He's he's a fantastic. Yeah, guy. he's
0: a great guy. Yeah,
1: you can get him rattled easy, too.
0: For the first time I met Tyler uh, was in Glasgow and um, and we went to we went to five guys because uh, I was because I was like, I was like, I need a burger. And they they've oh. finally opened to five guys in Scotland. And so I went over to Glasgow and met him. And that way we just went straight for a burger. He's like, I know you love cheeseburgers. So here we go. Let's do this. And so he's a man after my own heart. Yes. <laughs> well, it was funny. It just
1: so happened that I had Dr. Liz Jackson and then Tyler McNabb. And I was trying to start something up there on each of the shows you know, one being you know the probabilist or Bayesian, and mm-hmm. the other one being proper functionalist. Yeah, I tried to get her to say something, and she wouldn't. And he didn't really say much. I'm like, come on, man, y'all get it.
0: A- yeah, you want to see them fight, but they're both so yeah. nice. Like they're such nice people. And <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. not ah, well, too bad. <laughs> Whereas, like, yeah, we're like steven and I. We were we were happy that like Stephen and Mesh and I were happy to like like we're like yeah, we'll debate. Let's go for it. It'll be fun. Yeah, like I like uh, now, Doctor Namesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was on
1: my show early on, and he went over some pretty seemed a bit abstract Romanian <laughs> theology.
0: And, but I, after I did go back and listen to it a couple of times, I was like,
1: "Ah, that's pretty cool."
0: So he's he's going to do an interesting project. I'm in the middle of editing uh, an interview that I did with him for my show about his dissertation. And as I was listening back, I was like, he actually explains like this continental phenomenology stuff in a way that you can actually understand. That's impressive because normally that stuff's just nonsense. And he's like, he actually makes things. I'm like, those are statements that are true or false. Good job. Like clear. I can follow this. He absolutely does have that gift. That's, and now that you
1: think about it, it's such a gift that I didn't even really think about continental philosophy. That, that is and me being extremely analytical myself analytic philosophy was just kind of like my natural thing and anytime i get anywhere near continental you know i'm just like oh i just don't get it i don't you know
0: yeah i always get impressed when people ask me like oh you do philosophy i'm like yeah and they ask like what kind of them try to explain it and then everyone while, people ask like but like what about Hegel? And I'm like, oh gosh. And they're like, oh, okay, good, because I did. I didn't know if I was stupid that I didn't understand Hegel. And I'm like, no, no, that's fine. You don't you don't need to worry about that.
1: That's well, that's fantastic. Because when you when we were talking about Continental, I, it, my mind immediately went to Hegelian. And <laughs> I have. Uh, are you? I'm sure you probably know Ben Watkins.
0: Uh, oh yeah, Relate, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. yeah mm-hmm. Real
1: theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, he has gone from Hume to Kant to Hegel. And I so remember seeing
0: this on Twitter. He was like really big on Hegel. And I'm like, yeah, that's
1: where you want to go, yellow. bro, I guess
0: for it. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I'm like, I don't know whether that's a good thing or not, because it's Hegel. It just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, But speaking of Dr. McNabb, he's actually done in epistemology, kind of like uh, Swinburne's got epistemic justification. And they're actually kind of bridging that gap between internalism and externalism as far as justification and warrant and you know so i'm definitely interested to see where that goes because you know i'm tired of seeing uh, dr mcgrew argue with (laughs) (laughs) proper functionalists i like all of them but yeah (laughs) yeah so what about the got an emotion book Mm -hmm. what is yeah go for it yeah what is that one uh what what is the overall Goal for that one?
0: Uh, well, okay. So there was the, there's the goal that's in the book, and then there was like the personal goal behind it. So the personal goal behind it was just I just wanted to understand my own emotions, just like what are they? How do I get connected with my emotions? And then how how do I get connected to God? Because uh, I had gone through a bit of a spiritual crisis at one point, and so it was a very existential sort of thing for me to try to figure out just who is this God that I'm worshiping, and how do I get connected to this God? Uh, the book itself, though, is to go, if God exists, what would God's emotional life be like? Um, the traditional view is that God pretty much just has one emotion, and that's just pure, undisturbed happiness. And nothing could possibly disturb God's happiness in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and in fact, nothing can influence God anyway in any way at all. It turns out that's the classical view. And then because of that, God has no empathy and no compassion. Uh, the more Contemporary view is that God actually does have a wide range of emotions. God can be influenced by you. God has whichever emotions are rational and and morally appropriate to have at any given point, but God can be influenced by you. So if you do something really awful, God's gonna have an emotion like, ugh, yeah. You you suck, Eddie. What's wrong with you? Um, or and then if you repent of that. that, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Eddie's like, Eddie, you know, whereas um if you repent, then then God's going to have like some kind of delight. He's going to be happy. He's going to rejoice that you've repented. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was kind of some of the stuff I was looking at was a bunch of questions around that of which which one is right. And it got into some really fun stuff about the nature of love uh, and wrath, like what does it mean for God to have wrath. And then the most fun chapter is the last one where I look at uh, what I call the problem of creepy emotions uh, so, um, there's this something called the horny God objection. Uh, so like if God really does empathize with everything that you feel, well, what about everything that you feel? Like, do you really want God empathizing with all that sort of stuff? And it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of creepy. And so that was, that was fun to just, to just really dig deep into that and, and just go, I'll write a whole chapter on this. Nobody's done that. I'll do it.
1: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we're about to get weird mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, anytime somebody talks about, God and intimacy or eroticism or anything like that. I go back to this pastor that I had heard and uh, I'm glad I'm talking to you about this because I had my friend Oz on here and it went off the rails, Um, but he said to kind of be shocking, he said every single married couple should be a threesome and you should have seen. The crowd, everybody's like, "Huh, what? And he's like, God should be involved in that bedroom with you. It should be your wife and you join together with God. And I'm like, I, 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 I don't know if I agree or disagree, but I don't need that mental image. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I get the, the, the deep spiritual understanding of that. But just the way that he was just so shocking with it, it's like there should always be a threesome with God. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) yeah, uh, maybe you ready for No, Yeah, we're we'll leave it at that. So so I noticed you are a heavy metal guy. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Who's your are you are you a since you're a modified classical theist? Are you a modified classical metal guy? Do you like the newer
0: hard death metal, speed metal, or I, I do listen to a lot of de- uh, death metal and a lot of black metal. Um, there's a lot of metalcore and deathcore that I've been listening to. So yeah, um, so I'm wearing a Black Dahlia Murder shirt at the moment. That's one of that's one of my favorite brands. So from uh, Detroit, I've seen them seen them a fair number of times uh, in the U.S. and then I saw them in Scotland a few times as well nice Mm -hmm. yeah i'm more of a i'm i'm a bit older than you so
1: i'm like a metallica guy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. favorite band is probably metallica i'm you know from the slayer days and you know pantera Mm -hmm. yeah so the granddaddies of them
0: no yeah like uh the the last tour that's that Slayer was on um my wife and I we got we had to get tickets to, in Glasgow to go see them that was a brilliant show oh my gosh like the amount of fire that that was just like just like yeah. <sighs> like it's all over the place as they're playing like that like that would have like the budget for the fire alone i mean that had to be like I mean, it had to be thousands of dollars like or something it was it was outrageous <laughs> it was it was really cool
1: you know we had the first con- real concert like not at the fairgrounds concert. The real concert I went to was a Metallica concert mm. and not being the concert aficionado. I didn't realize that when the band leaves, they come back. Oh, you know? right. Yeah. So I'm like, let's go. Traffic's going to be terrible. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Not to mention it was like a 20 minute show after we left, but, What I missed was, uh, the pyrotechnics, they had a figure eight stage Mm. and the, a guy had fallen from the rail above onto one of the pyrotechnics as the flames were coming out and everybody assumed it was part of the show. You know, this guy just, just hit these flames and went up in Mm. flames and they, you know, he's like running just. I think because he like jetted to the back, people thought it was part of the
0: show, but it was like oh, he man. didn't know what to do, you know? Yeah. And because I don't know, if I if I just found myself on fire, I yeah. I probably yeah. forget like, oh, stop, drop, and roll. What yeah. stop dropping? What, what was it? I'm just running. I don't know what I'm doing. It's, anymore.
1: But isn't there a point where you you have so many flames that Roland's just not going to do any? Good I probably. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I'd, I'd just be freaking out. Yeah, and the show went on. As I'm going to my car, my head hung low. I could hear him jamming. Mm. And I was like, oh, what? Oh, so at that point, it's too late. You've already, like, you're committed yeah, to your car. I'm right. already halfway to the car. I'm like, what an idiot. Mm. My wife, who was a girlfriend at the time, is just looking at me, you know, with that foot tap. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we beat the traffic. I can tell you that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 So, are you a uh, sports guy at all, or? Oh gosh, no. Like, um, so the so the what was it the, the Euros was was recently. So like um like football or soccer as we'll say in America, um, was happening, and it was Italy versus England. And so and so at that point, like my wife and I were still in uh, we're still in Scotland, um, and the Scottish don't like the English, uh, and she's Italian, so she's like, we have to vote for the the Italians. We can't we can't go with the English, and I was like, okay, fine, fine, fine. And she's like really into it. she just loves it and and I, I know a little bit of Italian. there was all sorts of Italian words that I heard at that while we were watching that that I did not know existed. She was just like so into the game uh, As I'm just sitting there kind of like I found a funny meme on my phone i don't I don't know like i just I don't know it just, yeah. it just does nothing for me yeah that's
1: that's my wife right mm. there <laughs> so she's,
0: so she was disappointed because he, when you left
1: we did not to show and, you really and she's italian mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so uh just blink three times if you need help <laughs> 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 it's usually only when the family comes over that things get you know heated and, mm-hmm. and really going it's
0: those italian families man you don't know if they're arguing or getting along it's just <laughs> yeah that was my first experience in italy because like and i was like i knew zero italian at that point and i was like everybody's excited i, yeah. I don't know what's happening <laughs> <laughs> all right is our life in danger or should we be going Maybe. somewhere so what are you drinking on so i've got so okay so i just moved to philly and so i'm trying to find out like like just what's nearby, and the only place nearby was this hipster place, and so they were selling. Let me let me find this. What this is? It's called New Liberty Millstone. So it's a uh, it's a rye whiskey made right here in Philadelphia. So, wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so, Philly's
1: old, so you would think that. Yeah. They yeah. know how to make whiskey. <laughs> I, I would hope. I mean, I
0: saw America's oldest street today. Um, really? So yeah, that that was that's a thing apparently. I didn't know that. It's I, from like the 1700s, um, and I was like, "Okay, cool." Yeah, I was stunned to know that
1: the oldest city in America is actually in Florida. It's, oh. uh, yeah, it's um, it's from the I believe when the Spanish. Oh, when Spanish were colonizing, right? Yeah, when they first came up. I am drinking, Knob Creek, but mm. I have to be careful, because you can't i don't know what the deal is but i can't find normal regular Knob creek anymore it's all this hundred proof
0: stuff
1: oh. yeah and i'm like not trying to go full hundred proof <laughs> right um, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so you're not into sports you no. have an italian wife you mm-hmm. like philosophy of religion you're just mm-hmm. an enigma it's uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh you're just something different, man. You look really young, but you sound like a
0: radio voice. And- yeah, but and I'm not that young anymore though, unfortunately. But um but I still look it, so I'm like, okay, go for it. Yeah, well, I was gonna say if you have a PhD, you're
1: not too young. That's yeah. uh, <laughs> it you know, takes I just a I just turned thirty-eight. Uh oh, last wow, week? you're not yeah, far Last week, me.
0: yeah, okay, okay. I mean, you look fantastic. It's a That's diet, a healthy diet of uh McDonald's and Wendy's. Yeah. Um you know, that's, that's, that's the main thing is, is a lot of cheeseburgers. It keeps you young. St. Augustine. There you mm-hmm. go. Thank you, Amber. Mm-hmm. I knew it was. Oh, like okay. Something. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Something. I think, yeah, I think well, my dad had told me that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: wh- why is the McDonald's diet working great for
0: you and not so much for me? I don't that's know. A- um, so <laughs> it might be because I've been living in, uh, living abroad for so long. Um, and just whatever they're putting in the food is not good uh, anywhere, of course, like because it's McDonald's, um, but that doesn't prevent me from eating it all the time. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. whatever, they're, whatever they're putting in the UK, like it's less fatty, but it also has mm. less taste because the the UK, yeah, all, all the food in the UK has no taste whatsoever. So it's just it's very not real food. That's, no, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's the sort of thing that just reminds you that this is a place that. It was at one point in time, it was a great empire, but those days are no more. And that's, I think that's why everything's so bland. It's just like, yeah, we're, we're nothing now.
1: Well, I think you may, you hit it on a very important point when you were talking about the blandness of the food, because I've been to um, Costa Rica several times and not the good parts. And, (laughs) you know, even in uh, Calgary, uh, Canada, you know, Alberta, the one thing that I noticed was the menus are extremely small mm. compared to what we have here. Both places, the food is very bland in Costa Rica, the native food there. It's pretty much beans and rice. And then if you can get chicken, you know, beans, chicken, and rice, and they don't use a lot of flavor. I know now why they use so much spices on their stuff. Ah, right. Right. It has to be hot because it all tastes the same all the time. Right. Yeah, really. yeah. yeah, I went to a uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken in Costa Rica and it was horrible. <laughs> the, the, the chicken was crispy chicken and it didn't... I don't know what they used. It wasn't crispy chicken.
0: So it looked like KFC called, but it but just didn't taste yes. like it. Mm, that's it disappointing.
1: Was, they had coleslaw they just called salad. And it was like real cold water mm-hmm. on the cold. And I'm like, bro, this is terrible, man, terrible. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we we hit the rest of the American chains <laughs> while we were there because it's like Denny's. Hey, you can't mess that up, and uh, they didn't. They didn't disappoint. Okay, me, so well that's bad good. As it is in the U.S. So. So, <laughs> oh we're going to hell um, <laughs> so your position of modified or neo-classical theism the issues you have with divine simplicity I want to lean on divine simplicity for a lot of things but mm-hmm. I have the same kind of concerns that you do and so what exactly would you say is the biggest differences between your views and classical theism uh,
0: the first big difference would be okay i'll mention two uh, the first one is my views is coherent and classical theism is incoherent uh, the second would be that uh, cl- classical theism is anti-biblical because it says things that the Bible completely contradicts. Uh whereas my view is it got some kind of biblical warrant. Um uh, maybe not for every single detail of it, but it's got some. So those would be the big two differences. Uh I've stated those in intentionally uh, like like inflammatory ways, but but yeah <laughs> that's uh see I just I, I'm with you.
1: I I just don't think now I love what uh Dr. Namesh has done with mm-hmm this new semantic content, you know, I think it's kind of innovative and, but I, it seems like you can't get away from necessitarianism, uh, yeah. total collapse, no matter how hard you try. What I like about divine simplicity is, you know, the problem of evil, the imminence of, an a, a simple being, you know, we can talk about just the goodness of, just emanating and it's not a you know a part of god it's just the eminence of being so there's a lot of things into like with aquinas's view that Mm. i'm very sympathetic with divine simplicity but with you i just can't find a way to get away from the modal collapse or necessitarianism
0: yeah, no, I, I I understand that feeling because I had the same for many years. It took me a long time to give up simplicity and timelessness and and, and I mean all these sort of things. I don't think I was ever really committed to impassibility because I just never understood that. And I had read my Bible, so I, I, I just knew that was false. Um, but uh, simplicity and timelessness, it took a long time to get rid of that. And the modal collapse, even when I articulated the very first – when I wrote the first paper that I, I did on it, I – it's, I still didn't realize what I had, I had gotten into. I, I was still kind of thinking maybe there's a way to make sense of simplicity somehow. And then eventually, it was just like, I can just find too many problems and no solutions to the problems. Uh, this is oof, yeah, this yeah. is this is just it's just. Too, it's too uh, many yeah, problems. I'm with you.
1: Yep. Kid trying to call me, and I'm using my phone for a camera tonight. Ah, right, uh. that's that's. that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and now she's texting me. So, <laughs> that's the great things about having kids. Hey, Miss Amber Croom in the chat, could you tell your kid to stop calling me, please? I'm <laughs> trying to have a show. So, <laughs> uh, what, so, what exactly, I don't even know if I understand what impassibility is. Mm-hmm. Um, what is meant by
0: impassibility as you understand it? So it's got three big claims. The, the first one is that God cannot suffer. It is impossible for God to suffer. Uh, and that's the most common claim you'll see it's associated with it. But I wrote this paper called, Why Can't the Impassible God Suffer? Because it's just like, why, why, like what's up with that? Uh, and so that's when I discovered impassibility actually makes two further claims. So the second claim is God cannot be moved or influenced or caused by anything outside of himself. Uh, and that still doesn't quite explain why God cannot suffer, because maybe God's just in a state of eternal suffering, just just because. Uh, so, but the third reason, uh, the third claim with a, with d- uh, divine impassibility, is what starts to explain why God cannot suffer. And so, the third claim is that uh, God cannot have any emotion that is irrational, immoral, or inconsistent with God's perfect happiness. And so that's, what's really doing all the work here is God is in a state of pure, undisturbed happiness. And since God can't be influenced by anything outside of himself, well, then nothing's going to like get God uh, out of that state of happiness. So that's why God cannot suffer. So just imagine God mm-hmm. just being perfectly happy. And you're like, why are you happy? And he's like, because I'm awesome. I'm happy about my own awesomeness. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, that really is, I mean, that is quite literally the story. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh,
1: that that's about. I I think you explained it very well because every time I've asked about, you know, impassibility, I get you know around we got to go around three blocks before we come back around to, what you know what it exactly is. So I think you did a pretty good job, and I, oh, I'm with you. I, yeah, I think I a lot of theologians
0: want to build in the entire doctrine of God when they want to talk about any any attribute whatsoever, and that's why you're going around three blocks before you ever get to the point. And and I'm like, I'm constantly and I, I hate reading this stuff because uh, I'm like, you're talking about every other doctrine other than what this paper is supposed to be about. Can you get to impassibility or get to whatever it is? Uh, so, yeah. Um, but, well, yeah, that's that's his impassibility. And so it, the story quite literally is like Holocaust is happening and God's like, <laughs> but I'm happy because I'm awesome. Uh, that's a, And you're like, Whew, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: so. <laughs> Catholic traditionalist wants to know if you and I are atheists. I'm Um, sure he's been accused of it a few times. I've been accused of it a few times for sure. I remember the first time I I got accused of it
0: was so I was at this, I was was at the University of Cambridge. I was teaching there for a year and I was presenting, I got asked to present on divine simplicity. uh, And so I give some argument against it. And somebody uh, in the audience like asked a question and I was like, I don't understand your question. And so he, trying to probe a little bit further and his question still made no sense and then eventually he just said well you're just an atheist and i was like i don't i don't know how we got here uh but the moderator was like mortified by this and, and just like was like let's move on to the next question and just like moved on quickly to the next thing and i was like what was that like i i don't know i don't know where this came from that's
1: yeah that's uh that's crazy that's yeah I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, so I'm an atheist to 99 gods, but not yours. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the, or not mine, you know? Yeah, that's, uh I think if I ever hear that again, I'm, I'm going to lose it. Uh, I actually <laughs> recently <laughs> uh kind of admitted to, you know, my position right now is an agnostic Christian. And the reason being is, I've done, uh, now I don't doubt Christ. I don't doubt the resurrection, what that man, who Christ was. You know, I am thoroughly convinced in Christianity. Uh, on the other side, I am thoroughly convinced in at least a deistic God. You know, the metaphysical arguments for God to me are very powerful. I'm one of those who really does lean on the uh, argumentation, the rationality. You know, because I don't I don't have all the feelings that a lot of evangelicals talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so my trouble right now is the more that I study Jewish theology and Jewish metaphysics uh, is trying to. Without, you know, if I was to just not accept the church as being a, you know, basically directed by God as you know, his, his church for progressive rele- revelation. And if I set that aside, I don't know how in the world we come up with the Trinity. I mean, I do understand mm-hmm. the biblical case for it. I understand the eternal uh, expression of love. I think it makes sense with a Trinity or a Trinitarian God to have an eternal expression of love those are still there. It's just the issue of trying to solve the paradoxes, you know, oh, yeah. and the in, the incarnation of Christ and things. I'm just at this point. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know. It, I I would like to say that I am, but I'm not truly convinced at this point. Uh, I know God has, or Christ has, uh, some type of divine relationship with God. How that works, I don't know. So. It's
0: it's a lot to Maybe think. Maybe I ought through. to read some more of your stuff. <laughs> uh, gosh, I mean, I've written on the Trinity and the Incarnation quite a bit, and it's so difficult for me to popularize that stuff. Uh, so I've been on the yeah. the Muslim Metaphysician show a few times now, and I like oh, uh, you Jake. know, and, yeah. yeah, with oh. Jake, yeah, and and, and talking, to, I've talked about like the Incarnation the, and the metaphysics of the Incarnation and the Trinity, and I'm always so impressed that people can follow that because I'm like, there's a lot of topics where I'm like. I can make God and time really simple and nobody else can, but I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. And then I'm like, when it comes to the Trinity, I'm like, I don't, I don't have the confidence that I can make that simple. And then people tell me they can follow the arguments. I'm like, that's good because I look at them and I go, yeah. can I follow my own arguments? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. It's complicated it's so fast. I, I have that sometimes I'll
1: explain something and somebody's like, Oh, okay. I see. And I'm like, huh? I don't know if I see <laughs> I'm glad you could see the more I talked about it the less confident I was in what I said yeah so, <laughs> so does your wife love cooking Italian food
0: or refuse to cook Italian food she loves cooking Italian food uh, and I've learned uh, how to make a few things like we make, um, we make ravioli uh, every Christmas it's a big like thing her family always did mm. so we do that every Christmas yes. uh, and I've learned other things not to do so never snap the pasta in half before you throw it into the, into the pot. Like that's, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Um, like that's, that's where it's sort of no, like you're, you're making, you're making my grandmother cry. She's rolling over in her grave and, and I'm just like, What's-? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, but like, you only
1: get like half the noodles a week. And
0: then you gotta wait for them to get limp, and the rest of it to fall in. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> so. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you snap it in half, you get it in there right away, oh, there and, and, and then, but then instantly you're like, ah, it's Piacente. I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to, like, you know, like uh, spit on your grandmother's recipe of how to do this, you know, like it's, it's, it's a deep insult to. We, we fired up the evil one. Mm. <laughs> That's an inside <laughs> joke. She yeah. sent me
1: a. Uh, she sent me a comedian who was talking about his wife being. The evil one. It was hilarious. And I mean, he just he described my wife to a T. You know, it was, <laughs> uh, it was they were wanting to catch baseballs behind home plate. It was the first time they got to have home plate, uh, or have home plate seats. And she's like, Why do you want the balls? Why do you want the balls? You pay all that money to come here and he's like, Well, if they were throwing Louis Vuitton bags over it, y'all there'd be a whole bunch of dead bees in here. <laughs> I almost, I swerved listening to it. I was like, Oh my God. And then it'd be $3,000 a ticket. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, that is such my wife. Oh, captain evil. I'm okay. I'm captain sorry, evil. Okay. That. There we go. Yeah. I've noticed with Italian uh, wives, so it's either they refuse to ever cook it or they love cooking it, but the ravioli, her grandfather mm. would spend all day cooking dinner and it would be hand stuffed ravioli. And it was unbelievable. Mm. It was so phenomenal. Now you didn't get in the man's way, you might get broken legs. <laughs> right. It was the kitchen was his kingdom. And you didn't go in there or you left him alone. But, yeah, I feel you on the ravioli. People think of, like, Chef Boyardee, and I'm like, no, 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 no. no. This is some good
0: stuff. Because I would have thought Chef Boyardee at at one point, but now that I've seen, like, the real stuff, (laughs) and I'm like, you can't (laughs) go back. You just can't. It's one of those things where, like, it's ruined you for anything else.
1: Yeah, you can't. Yeah, absolutely. If I find an Italian restaurant that has good handmade ravioli, I'm like, you want to go there? You want to go there? (laughs) No, I'm tired. (laughs) Most it's usually Mexican for me. I'm, mm. I'm a huge Mexican food guy, so I think my family's like burnt out on Mexican food. But oh well, <laughs> you
0: know you're like you're like maybe you guys, you should just get some taste because I know what's up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You should listen
1: to me. That's at those times it would be good to be a fundamentalist. You know, I am the <laughs> head of this household, and we are going to eat Mexican food. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good way. I think I might still have the bump on my head. Uh, no.
0: <laughs> so are you a tiramisu guy? I do like to, a good tiramisu every now and then, which is weird because I don't like coffee at all. I really hate coffee. Um, but like tiramisu, like, which has got sometimes has coffee in it. I'm like, okay, I can get into that every now and then.
1: Okay, yeah nice well it's so a catholic traditionalist just gave us a whole list of people that i should invite on the show
0: <laughs>
1: I, right. you know and he added darth dawkins in there and i don't think i had the patience for that man
0: there's um, a few people on the list that i i would not have the patience for um i've been on the canadian, canadian catholic, catholic show i went on i went on that show that was uh, a oh did you
1: what oh it turned into a
0: dumpster fire it, it, there was a lot of questions that were asked and then I didn't quite get to answer them before we got asked the next question. Um yeah. so it was very it was a very quick fire and I was like, okay, cool. I, I didn't know I didn't know what I was getting into. And that was one of the moments where like somebody caught me on a day where I was really bored and I was like, Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, uh, sure, let's do it. I mean yeah. PhD, sh me H D. Let's yeah. No. <laughs> I was like, I'm I'm writing some stuff and uh yeah, I don't know. I'm bored. I like because, like, I've been living in Finland this this whole this whole last year. Uh, and so my wife was still in Scotland at the time. And so there's nice. a lot of times I'm, I was just like, I was just by myself. And so I was like, really bored. I was like, yeah, let's I'm, everybody's like invite me to do stuff. I'm like, yeah, what else, what else am I going to be doing? So so, yeah. so you're finished with that? I've got oh. one year left in Finland. So I'm going to be at the end of this month, I'm going back to Helsinki. Oh. And so I'm going to be back you didn't and forth my between. Joke. Oh, you didn't man. Get oh, it's, it's so on the nose, finished. too. I don't with
1: that <laughs> i think i'm it's, the i'm the worst
0: <laughs> you know, here's here's what it is okay so uh, so like there's all these finished jokes but like okay so my little sister she she still cannot get in her head that helsinki is a real place she's she thinks i'm cussing every time i say it and so it bothers her every time i say the word helsinki <laughs> and, and so all the other finished jokes that are so obvious, like I can't get the, like the, the, just saying the word Helsinki is, is, has enough comedic value for me because I can just say that. Or like, so like this one time I was, uh, I was coming back from my office and I'm on, um, they have like a trolley system in, in the city. And so I'm just sitting there, uh, and talking to my, on the phone with my sister and o- on the overhead speaker, um, like the woman's like saying the name of the street and the street is like Helsinki street um in english yeah. but but so she's just like you know like you're now approaching helsinki and katsu and and my sister's like did she just say helsinki again i'm like it's the name of the street and she's like that can't be and i'm like it's the name of the city like what do you want and she's like yeah, I, I can't <laughs> stand this and i was like fine i'll say it in a, i'll say it in, in swedish for you to sound better and she's like okay what's it in swedish and I'm like in swedish it's Helsinki and she's like oh it still has hell in it <laughs> you know, I'm like, i don't know what to tell you like, it's, it's like <laughs> ryan you're going to Helsinki,
1: exactly. Yeah, we had a million <laughs> jokes like that in my family. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's so. What What's it like living abroad in so many different countries? How are you? Uh, are you welcomed or?
0: Because it's I was so talking to Justin
1: Yeah, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, and and Doctor Crommett was uh, in Germany, and
0: he. Oh, that's right. I, he I forget he was in Germany to. for a while. Yeah, yeah, he seemed to have loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. He had a good time in Germany. Um, I met Dustin. Uh, we overlapped at Notre Dame uh, for a year. He was a PhD student when I was when I was um, uh, doing a postdoc there. But yeah, so I've lived in um, Scotland on and off for about ten years. I had a year in, in England, and then I've had one year in Finland, and then I'm about to go back. Uh, and I've been in a lot of other countries for different amounts of time. Um, most places, like I've been, like welcomed like almost immediately, which is really nice uh finland is more american than the rest of europe which is really weird and i don't know how to put my finger on exactly why that is the case um their english is a lot more american Uh, so i had to stop using a lot of british phrases which was really hard because i had been living in in the uk for so long i had forgotten which were english uh, and which were american phrases and so i get there and i try to order a whiskey and they can't understand me because i've got this fake british accent i'm doing uh and i'm like <laughs> s- structuring my sentences in this british way and they're just like what do you want and i'm like i would like a glenfiddich and they're like well what and i'm like a Glenn. Fittick. and i have to eventually point to the glenfiddich on there and they're like oh you'd like a Glen?" they say it in this other way that i'm like nobody says yes. glenfiddich that way but okay fine There's, you know just give me the whiskey <laughs> 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 give me a glenfiddich you bloody fool yeah so yeah <laughs> but yeah so but the fins is- are great yeah they're good <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's so. This is a uh, good compliment here, Dr. Mullins. Oh, okay. Tim, so I you changed had, his perspective.
0: I've had a lot of Muslims tell me this, and I and that's and it's, I find this really fascinating because I've had um, uh, some interaction with some different Muslim thinkers over the years, and they've really been very complimentary of my work, which I which I greatly appreciate. Um, and then the time stuff, though, that's the stuff that really shocked me because uh, most of the Muslim tradition is affirming that God is timeless. Um, there are a couple of hadiths that some people pointed out to me where they say that uh, like Allah is time, uh, and so, so so some people oh. like uh, like so Jake uh, uh, from the Muslim metaphysician Show was the first person to point this out to me. And I'm like, okay, so there seems like there's some interesting work to be done there, um, but I just haven't been able to explore it enough yet. So so yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm really I'm really curious to see where this goes. Yeah, I really like Jake. I mean, he he loves to
1: spent a lot of time on the trinity and incarnation mm-hmm. but other than that um <laughs> he's a he's a pretty smart guy yeah. i watched his uh debate with um james white
0: mm. and i did not I watch it, that one uh, but it, I, I saw some of the aftermath and then he asked me to like weigh in on some social media stuff
1: yeah for, i didn't get to finish the whole thing but from what i saw it was a very good conversation good and uh yeah so you know for what it's worth so, do nada I don't what is it amaya slavi amias slave controversy is God's name God
0: himself? okay, I th- think it's just referring to divine simplicity i'm not I'm not entirely certain though exactly of the question. Um, yeah, I'm not either. I was—that's the only reason I
1: put it up there. I was mm-hmm. like, "Is that something you've heard of?" That's not something I've heard of.
0: No, because like when it comes to, um especially a lot of stuff with with like Judaism and Islam, I'm still very much an amateur. uh Like yeah. at some of these other religions, like I'm starting to dig into them a lot more deeply. But yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, if they've got a follow up question to like explain a bit more, I'm happy to hear it. But I don't—I don't quite understand it yet. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I
1: was kind of hoping you did, but. It is what it is, yeah, so <laughs> well, I told you I'd keep you about an hour, <laughs> and I have kept you for two hours and thirty minutes waiting, so uh, I do appreciate you coming on for sure i am I'm very thankful that you come on here. I'm very humbled, and thank you so much for your patience, yeah, no problem, no problem, so. Where can people find you? Do you have um, social media? You do
0: yourself? I looked to see if you had a YouTube channel or something, and I I couldn't. I I do, but I'm not like because I don't I don't do my own videos. So all I have really is just a playlist of all the shows that I'm on. Um, the main way to find me is if you go to rtmullins.com. And I've got the podcast. I've got all the videos. I've got links to a bunch of my papers there. Um, and I've also got uh, a a page there for the book series that John Peckham and I are doing on the doctrine of God. Um, and then soon my wife and I are going to create another webpage of just translations of my work because I've had some of my works been translated into Spanish, some of it into Turkish and Persian. Um, uh, some people wow. have done like, I think, uh, I think somebody might've done a Portuguese at some point as well. Uh, so different people have been working on different translations of my work. And so really honored by that. So I've been telling everybody, if you do a translation of my work, put your name on the translation, um, when you send it to me. And then at some points in the near future, we're going to put that on the website. And then I'm working with some people in Peru at the moment to do, um, a book on God, scripture and emotion. It's going to be translated into Spanish as well. So, so I'm trying to do some, a lot of work awesome. on that. Yeah. Um, Other than that, people can find uh, The Reluctant Theologian. It's on most uh, podcast platforms. And then um, I'm on Twitter and then on Facebook. Okay, awesome. I
1: really, really enjoy your work. I love watching the videos that you do. The fact you spend so much time on YouTube with all these discussions, it is so helpful for people like me who is an audiovisual learner. You know, and I just want to say thank you for your contribution yeah. and all that you do, you know, doing God's work and uh brilliant mind. I, you know, and I don't mean that in a flattery way. I, I think that you you have a very special gift for being able to break down a lot of these um, technical things and philosophy to a layman's level for dum-dums like me to pick up on. So
0: I really appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you so much for that.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And I'm going to bounce you out and tell everybody good night. If you have to go, that's cool. If not, I will see you in the backstage. Cool. There you go. Dr. Ryan Mullins. He's uh, one of my favorites. Him and Joe Schmidt and all these young guys that are just, man, I don't know. I wish that I would have got into all this when I was younger so I could be like half of dr Mullins and I don't mean like height wise because I'm five seven I don't know how tall he is but I'm probably half his five. height anyway seems like everybody that's brilliant's taller than me too Ugh. but anyway uh all of his info is in the description I've got a link to his website his books check it out I'm telling you you will not regret it uh, I've seen a lot of explanations of his books I've seen summaries and articles and him talk about it. And it's been phenomenal. It's, it's definitely, especially his stuff on uh, classical theism, his neoclassical theism, because I actually line up a lot more with him at this point than Dr. Namesh. but I like Steve, so maybe he can convince me one day. Uh, as usual, all of the logos, all the artwork, the introduction, everything is done by Pasta Mike at Pasta Mike Productions with Normalizing Atheism. Check him out on uh, YouTube. He has his own channel there. He has his own group on Facebook. Join the group. You may get to talk to people like me. You may not. You may get to actually talk to him yourself. He's, he's a legend. But uh, thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you for your patience. I'm sorry that the show was late is work and you know life happens and life can be difficult sometimes so have a good evening everybody and i'll see you later